Well, it is another Establisher Gathering that I get to be a part of. I'm so grateful that God has given us this ministry, this place to just fellowship with Him and dive deeper into His Word. And tonight I really want to talk about a passage in Romans chapter 10, um, specifically two words, confess and believe. And looking at how these two words go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You have to confess, as we'll learn from the passage, with your mouth and believe in your heart. And that's going to afford you a few things. Um, and I, I want to kind of expand your definition of this so that it's, it's greater than just uh, salvation, which obviously that's a great thing and it's a big deal. Um, but it's, it's also for the here and the now. It's not just for the then and the later, but here and now. As we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart a few things that we're going to look at tonight, we're going to notice a few things in our life, not just in the life after our death. Um, so <clears throat> this is really just in the vein of kind of what's been going on in our country and what's happened recently in Orlando and um, unfortunately we are strangers in this land and we are living in a time that the proximity to danger is increasing and the frequency of tribulation is also increasing around the world and it is painful. I have family that live in Orlando and it, it sent shockwaves through all of us. Um, everybody was okay but it doesn't mean that you don't all of a sudden have the knee-jerk reaction to fear and to worry and to not go out in public and to hide your children and to you know protect your families and um, we can't live by fear and we can trust Jesus as Lord overall and we either trust that we either confess and believe that or we don't and it's times like Orlando and cancer and who knows what in your personal life that brings that to bear. And it, it involves you to look at the situation in the face and go, do I really confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord? Not of some, but of all. He is above it all. He's over it all. It may not make sense. We may not have the vantage point. We may not even have the emotions that follow that. But do you believe that? Based on the scripture, based on the character of the God that you claim to trust, do you believe he is Lord of all? And so that's really where my study found itself um, these last few days and just looking at those words and confessing fear, to be honest, and, and really looking at specifically in my own life, what are the areas that I am not living like the Lord is the Lord of all? He's Lord in some, maybe even in a lot, but that's not what the scriptures say. And I think there's areas in all of our life where we reserve control from him which is ridiculous and extremely idiotic because he is control. He is God. He is over it all. We are not, but we somehow convince ourselves that we are. And fear creeps in and fear causes us to do things or sometimes to not do things. 
and I just want to take that apart tonight and put fear in its place tonight and get to the bottom of what we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. So turn with me to Romans chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 9, and we'll just read this together. Let me get there with you. Um, yeah, let's actually start in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. You see, we're all confessing something. We're all saying something with our mouth and we're all believing something in our heart. Sometimes those two things line up. Sometimes they don't. We can confess one thing and inside our heart can be shuddering and we don't really believe what we're saying but we know too much truth to not say it out loud um, very rarely do you find someone who confesses something that their heart believes and vice versa so in this instance I think it's easier to have your heart in doubt and confess something in faith because we live in the Bible Belt and we know the scripture and we know it kind of theoretically and theologically in our head. But if we were to really examine our heart, our heart may not totally follow suit with what our mouth says. And what we need to get to the bottom of is what does your heart believe? Because ultimately, deep, deep down, that is what your mouth will eventually confess. You can say something on the surface only for so long. But time and tension will tell what your heart actually believes. And so I want us to be a group of people that confess with our mouth and believe with our heart. And it's really simple. I mean, there's, there's four specific confessions that we're to say with our mouth and believe in our heart about Jesus um, that we can find. There's multiple, but four we're going to look at tonight throughout the scripture that if we confess those things about God, we will then have some confessions about ourselves. Because you see, if your perspective about God and your confession about God is skewed, then it only goes to show that your confessions and what you believe about you is off kilter. Everything's skewed. If you don't have a good viewpoint and a true viewpoint of God and his word, then nothing is really grounded. And when an Orlando scenario happens and massacre happens and murder and tribulation and fires and earthquakes and disease and things happen, you don't properly put them in place because your perspective of God isn't grounded. So we must do both. We must confess and believe these four things that we're going to talk about tonight. And I, I believe there's, there's a battle <laughs> to do these two things. There's a battle to confess what's true, and there's a battle to believe what's true, obviously. Um, 
But before we dive into those four things and we start flipping all over scripture, there is a, an underlying uh, contextual emotion in this chapter of Romans 10, 9 through 12. And it's really the word sincere. It's not just a basic, hey, confess with your mouth and, you know, believe in your heart, possibly, slightly, that Jesus is Lord. And don't worry about it, you'll be saved. There is a, a greater sense of almost just urgency and genuineness and this sincerity, this pleading almost, to confess with your, with your mouth entirely Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart completely, sincerely. Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. There's, there is that underlying emphatic uh, tone here. And so before we go forward, I have to define for you the idea of sincerity, because this, this chapter really speaks to it. And you'll lose the weight of the chapter if you don't really understand the meaning of sincerity. Sincerity is an interesting word. Um, when you go back to the Latin, to the original kind of Latin um, language and how it was even broken down, and, um, sincere, sincere, S-I-N-C-E-R-E, is made up of two Latin words, sine, S-I-N-E, which means without, and even in Spanish, sin, S-I-N, is without, and sera, C-E-R-A, <laughs> not my name, but C-E-R-A, wax. Y'all, sincere means without wax. And in the ancient world, dishonest merchants or corrupt builders of homes or buildings or products that they were making, they would literally hide defects, whether it be in pottery or granite or stone. They would hide defects, so cracks in their product with wax. They'd stuff wax in the defect, paint it, coat it, cover it up, sell it for a higher price as a pure product, and then lo and behold, of course, what would happen in the heat of the day, especially if it's an outdoor material and they're building something with it, the heat would melt the wax and reveal the fraud, reveal the, the crack. So, interestingly enough, Merchants and businesses began hanging a sign above their shops saying, Sincera, without wax. What you get, what you see is what you get. It's sincere. So is that true of your Christian walk? Is your walk without wax? Meaning when the tension builds and the heat intensifies and you're in the flame and fear is around you and pressure and questions what does it melt away and reveal does it reveal cracks in your faith hey you might be worshiping and putting your hands up and saying all the right words on Sunday or in your small group on Wednesday but that's really when it's revealed under that flame under that tension what is it that melts away? Does it reveal a crack? Or does it reveal a solid faith? I want to have a life 
And I want you to have a life that's sincere, that's without wax. That your walk with the Lord is what you see is what you get. And what is beneath the surface is the same that is on top of the surface. It's homogenous. It's, it's equal. It's not duplicitous. It's not hypocritical. It's the same. What you confess with your mouth is what you ultimately fully complete, no matter the circumstance. Without wax. That is the meaning of this whole passage. Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart sincerely that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord. He is not partially in control. He is not a little additive help. He is Lord over it all. Especially what we can't understand. The infinite versus the finite. His sovereignty is beyond our comprehension, but it does not mean it doesn't exist. His sovereignty is real. His lordship is real. And he triumphs over everything. John 16, Yeah, we're going to have tribulation in this world. Man, look right and left. Turn on Fox. Turn on CNN. Whatever your choice is, and you will see it. But the verse goes on to say, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's the, the voice of a Lord. One who reigns, one who overcomes, one who wins, one who triumphs. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The Spirit of the Lord of God is in us. And that's what we have to sincerely believe. So, um, what does it mean to confess? And then we'll look at the four things. But what is it, the word confess? You know, I think a lot of people, when they think of the word confess, maybe they have a bad connotation. Catholic church, maybe, a cubicle, a priest, guilt, negativity, um, hiding. There's all different kind of connotations when you hear the word confess. You think of sin. You think of your fault. When I think of confess, I think way more of me-focused uh, than God-focused. And I believe the Lord wants to change that. He wants to upend, as he normally does, a lot of our things, how we view confession. Because tonight, it's a, it's a positive thing. It's a freeing thing. It's a beautiful, liberating thing to confess beliefs with your mouth about the character of God that will then create salvation and righteousness in your day-to-day -day life. Pretty powerful. So the word confess, uh, just in the Strong's Concordance there in the original kind of Greek language, means to agree with, to covenant or promise. Get this, to respond in praise, to announce with certainty and in agreement, with, to be privately and publicly sure, to say the same thing with another, to profess and conclude out loud. So I just kind of paraphrase it in other ways, in other words, declare what God declares as true in both mouth and heart, stating what already is. Agree with God on who He is and what He can do. To confess is to speak life, not death. Confession has no condemnation or guilt 
tra you know, trappings around it. It is a liberating thing to confess. It speaks life, not death. It's a response full of praise, no matter what. Because when we realize tonight, specifically the four things we're confessing about God, when you really confess those things with your mouth and you believe them with your heart, y'all, it just causes you to praise. It causes you to celebrate because the pressure's off. It is not on us. We are not in control. And that is a good thing. That is worth celebrating. So, number one, we've already said it. Let's get into the four things. Number one, based on this scripture, uh, four things about God, and then we'll look at a few things about us. Jesus is Lord of all. Pretty simple, but it will rock your world once you begin to fully confess with your heart and believe this in your mouth. And i got to be honest with you, God and I wrestled over this. I, I obviously believe that God is the Lord, okay? I confessed that as a seven-year-old little girl and was saved from separation, eternity. I, I, I put my faith in the Lord, however you want to say it. It was real. Um... And at the same time, as you journey with the Lord and you mature, there is definitely a battle for control in life. And I, I have that battle. I don't know if it's just a personality issue, if it's just a type A, maybe it's slightly obsessive compulsive and just wanting to be fully prepared for every single thing in life. And it's just not realistic. And for me, in a particular area that surfaced itself and has been, to be honest with you, for about a year, um, the Lord has not been Lord of this area. Which means I have reserved the right that God has to reign over this area because of my fear, my control, my sense of perfectionism or whatever it is of of pregnancy of motherhood of parenting of stepping into the next step of the uber unknown that is like the greatest thing you can never prepare for and it's potentially the greatest thing in your life and yet you cannot prepare for it you can only do so much you can only read so many books and there's no way that you can be fully adequately ready for that entrance of a new life into your body and then out of your body into the world. And it has absolutely frightened me. We miscarried. That was, a never, that was not a part of my picture. That was not a part of what I prepared for. Um, and so since then, it has surfaced some honest confessions um, between me and the Lord. And I had to confess to him in a sincere way, you are not Lord of this area. And I'm sorry. And I want you to be, but I'm scared. Because I can't see the future. Because I can't control my child. Because I can't guarantee everything's going to be okay. Because I can't know for sure I won't go through the pain of a miscarriage again. Because I, I, I. And there was this confessing with my mouth to the public, teaching scripture, speaking at different things, knowing in my head absolutely 99% of my life the Lord is the Lord of. But God wants the 1%. Just like he went after the one lost sheep because 99 wasn't enough. He wants the 1% where he is not 
the Lord of all. Maybe he's just Lord of some, and some isn't enough. And so I'm deeply grateful for the tears that have been shed in the scripture and how it is a mirror to reveal ourselves to ourselves and to reveal the Lord to us and his kindness and his discipline and his truth that causes me in this scenario to confess, Lord, you are not reigning in control over this area. Something else has gripped me and I am digging my heels in the sand in resistance against this. And I never thought this would be my battle. I've loved children. I, I, I love them. I love my nephews. I nannied all throughout college. I never thought there would be a battle for what has felt like life and death over this area of my life. Because to be honest, I waited a long time to be a wife. And I love that part of my life too. I like just being me. I like running Establisher. I like having flexibility and freedom and frankly the vanity and the selfishness of not losing my body to another. I mean, we're just going to get real, you know. This is the ugliness of the battle I have had between me and the Lord. And it has shown me what he already knew to be true. He isn't Lord of this area. And that's not okay. And so in his kindness, he shows me that I'm out of control either way. And that I can't prepare either way. And the only thing I can really bank everything on is that he is the controller of all things. And that he is the Lord of all. He's the Lord of every outcome. He's the Lord of every missed pregnancy. He's the Lord of every healthy pregnancy. He's the Lord of Down syndrome. He's the Lord of a quote-unquote perfect baby. He's the Lord of it all. He is ruler over me. He is sovereign and good. He has the right to rule my soul. He is in control and I am not. You see, this is more than just a seven-year-old salvation um, scenario. And obviously that was powerful. You gotta have that to even begin your journey with the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. Confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart is every day, people, every day. There is a battle on what comes out of your mouth and what you really believe. And it will not just save you from hell, though that is true. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is true. But it will also save you in life. Seriously, just in the last 48 hours, really, pouring over this passage. I am more free in this area than I ever have been. I am not set free completely. It is a process for me. But I am fully aware of how God surfaces more of his identity in me and more of his sovereignty that he convinces me of and it, it causes me to respond in praise. It causes me to confess and with my mouth and believe with my heart what I ultimately know is true. That he is the Lord of all, but he's also my Lord. And he's the Lord of my womb. He's the Lord of my family. He's the Lord of our outcomes. He's the Lord of our children. He's the Lord of our health. He is it. And I've seen that in a greater way 
these last 48 hours than I have in an entire year. So I don't know where your battle is. I don't know if it's at number one for you and maybe you're like me and you're just stuck right there on that one. That you're believing in your heart something not entirely that you might be saying with your mouth. Maybe it's number two. Maybe the second confession, which is found in 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 6, that Jesus is light. Confess with your mouth and believe in the bottom of your heart, Jesus is light. Let me explain what I mean. In that passage, if you just turn there really quickly, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and announce to you, funny enough, that's the same word announce, that's found in the definition of confess, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The first one is really an attitude, mental control issue, confessing Jesus is Lord. I believe this, confessing Jesus' light, is a behavioral issue. And maybe this is where your secrets are. Maybe this is where your battle is, that there is a secret, dark habit pattern in your life that you are not confessing Jesus' light over. Maybe it's an eating disorder. Maybe it's internal anger. Maybe it's anxiety and depression. That is powerful. It is dark. And it could haunt people in this room. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's this habitual addiction. This is a behavioral issue because here in this passage it's saying, look, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God is light, you're not going to walk in the dark. So if you're walking in the dark, then there's something you're not confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart about God. And I don't know what your dark is, but that might be where your battles lie is, man, I am, I am riveted, I'm haunted by this darkness and my behavior. Maybe it's smoking. Maybe it's drinking. I don't know. But whatever it is, do not let it have a greater power over you than what it's worth. Think about a light switch. What does the light do innately? In a dark room, as soon as you turn on the light, as soon as you have the light come on, like that phrase, right? The light comes on, what happens? The dark goes away. It just does. They, they can't coexist. You can't have a light, fully lit room and have a dark room at the same time. It doesn't work. That is a spiritual picture of what is true in our own lives Internally, you cannot have a dark life internally if you have confessed with your mouth and believe with your heart, Jesus is light. And when I confess him as light, everything around me becomes clear. There's no darkness in my life. It flees from my life. And frankly, it flees from our relationships. In that passage, it goes on to say that when we eat, there is no darkness. And if we walk in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. So if your fellowship with one another is broken, intense, you don't relate well to people, 
you're cold, you're hard, you're secretive, you're isolated. Y'all, this is a, a revelatory thing here for you. That means you have not confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is light. John 8.32, I believe it says, that Jesus is the light of the world. And he who believes that and follows after that will not walk in darkness. The more you see Jesus' light, the clearer you will walk through life. And the clearer and the light-hearted way you will view people. You won't fumble around in life. Maybe it's the third confession that you're battling with. I think this could be big for some of you. Confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is light. And then in 1 John chapter 4, 8 through 11, Jesus is love. If you just flip over a couple pages there to 1 John chapter 4, the entire section really starting in verse 7 all the way to verse 21 is about the, the, the reality that God is love. And maybe there's a lack of love in your life. And I'm not talking about a love interest or a preoccupation with a person called affection or attraction. I'm talking about the reality of true, overflowing, agape, unconditional, unhindered love. Maybe you hold grudges and you don't forgive well and you hold a debt against anybody that has wronged you. Oh, but you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And you don't really have any tangible external dark behaviors. But there is a lack of love poured out through your life. There's actually anger and hatred that can boil in your heart. You see, your mouth can confess one thing, but your heart says something different. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You see, you have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart these things to be true. And you will begin to see release in your life in these areas and an unbelievable ability to love. Not easy people, that's a no-brainer. Enemy people, frustrating people, annoying people. We were all those things, by the way, to God the Father. We were enemies of Him. While we were in our sin, while we were bloody and messed up and totally diseased with sin, God sent His Son greatest picture of love had nothing to do with us earning it, with us being respectable enough, with us being the who's who and that's why he can love us. None, none of that. It had to do with his character and love still does. Love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not a good deed to some homeless person on the corner at a red light. Love is God. God is love. And if he lives in you and lives through you, then love should be the byproduct of your life. Maybe it's the fourth and last confession where your battle is. And this is huge. And I think this potentially could revolutionize your life 
if you understand what this last one means, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart entirely what this next one is, it could change everything. And it's going to sound a bit cryptic at first, but it's this. Jesus is living in you. He is Lord of all. He is light in all. He is love through all. And He is living for you, in you, through you. Turn to John chapter 14. This is the book of John. Chapter 14. And just look down there in verse 20. In that day you shall know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Just circle all those ends. And then just look over one page in your Bible to John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do no thing. So maybe you get all the first three, but this last one, you are truly on your own, in your own strength, for the glory of God. You're going to church, you're reading your Bible, you're, you're trying hard, you're serving. Everything is so innocently motivated to please God. But you have completely missed the concept of in. That he is living in you in order to live through you. So it is not you living for God. Let me tell you, that is exhausting. That is where burnout happens. That is where religion will eat you alive. It isn't about that. You see, as Jesus lives in you more and more, you live in you less and less. As Jesus lives in you more and more, and you become conscious of that, that it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you and gave him life, his life up for you. Galatians 2.20 then the more you will realize that you live in you less and less. You become less self-absorbed and self-consumed and self-aware and self-motivated and self-effort and self-tired. All those things go away when you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is living in me and he's living for me. And he's living in me. And every fruit, any fruit, that comes out of my life is from and for and through and in him. For apart from him, there is no good thing that dwells in me. And apart from him, I can do nothing. But you see, in him and through him, he becomes my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And I can and will do all things through Christ who can strengthen me. But you have to first confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is alive inside you via his Holy Spirit. It's mystical. It's, it's mysterious. It's crazy. How much has this permeated you? Is it 99%? And still 1% of you is living on your own? 
it's not, not, that's not enough, <laughs> ironically. He wants 100% surrender. He wants 100 of those sheep. He wants 100% of Sarah, not just 99%. So confess with your mouth and believe in your heart at this very moment that it is no longer you who live this life in the flesh, but it is Christ who lives in you and through you and for you, and you will be free and liberated and frankly full of love and full of light and he will be Lord over all things no question so I'm going to give you a couple well it's more than a couple it's eight or so verses that I just want you to look up on your own um, and they're, they're confessions about us once we confess and believe those four things about God and I just said the first one it's Galatians 2.20 it's no longer us who are living in and by our own effort. It's, it's Christ in us. So Galatians 2.20, 2 Timothy 1.12. Love this verse, that you can be convinced and persuaded about your future and no longer live in fear and doubt when you realize that God is the Lord. He is light. He is love. He's alive in you. Well, then guess what? Your future is good no matter what. You, conf you can confess about yourself, 2 Corinthians 5.17 that you're new. You're not reformed. You're not a better version of yourself. You're not revamped and just got a little kick with God as your helper. No, 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 no. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you can confess about you that you're new. You're brand new. Transformed because of Christ in you. Because Christ is light. Because He is love and because He is Lord. You are brand new. I said this one too, Philippians 4.13, Romans 12.3, Romans 6.11, you're dead to sin, you're alive to God, you're no longer bound to sin patterns and behavioral issues in Romans 6.11. Psalm 16.11, you can confess once and for all that in his presence, that is where true joy is found. And you will know that and believe that when you have first confessed those four things about God. You see, when you know him as the Lord of all, and you know him as the light in all, and the love through all, and him living in you for it all, then you realize and you can confess in his presence, that is the only place I find my joy. And I can live in his presence unbroken all the time. Galatians 5.1, confession of our freedom. See, these are beautiful things that we can confess with our mouth and believe with our heart. And the believe word there, we define confess, but really quickly I want to define believe for you as we close. Because it ties in a lot of those verses I just listed out for you. To believe here really means to be firmly persuaded enough to do something. To be fully convinced to entrust, to really trust him as able and willing to help and answer. See, this kind of belief is not a hope. It's not confess with your mouth and hope with your heart. It's confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Be firmly persuaded, fully convinced, entirely committed, ultimately to where you do something. And in this case, the more you believe in your heart, the more you will confess with your mouth out loud, publicly. You see how they go hand in hand.
So it's either confessing God as Lord or it's denying Him as Lord. You cannot do both. You cannot confess God as Lord in one area and deny Him in the other. So let us be people that confess Him as Lord and believe in our hearts that He is Lord and speak with our mouths that He is indeed working all things together and trust in our heart that He does hold things all, to, all together, that He holds our future and believe with our, our heart and confess with our mouth that He is good, that He is a Father that doesn't withhold, that blessed are those who are poor in spirit, blessed are those who wait and believe on God. Are you a person that can confess this with your mouth and believe with your heart? I pray and hope that you are, because I definitely want to be that kind of person.